Hey everybody, what's up? So, I don't really have an intro in mind for this show. There's something that I really want to say or, or joke about. So, I'm just going to go ahead and play the intro, and then I'll get into the 20 to 11 range for this series. We're almost done. This is the penultimate part, so I hope you stay around for it. Thanks. Number 20 is Gone Are the Good Days by Chunk No Captain Chunk. I had like a small window to explain this on the Top 100 Songs series from last week. But I'm going to go ahead and reiterate it now for this particular part of uh, the top 50 records. So, Shunk No Captain Shunk is a band that there had been no activity from them for a while. 2015 was their last record. Uh, Get Lost, Find Yourself was the name of it. 2016 was their last song. Blame it on this song, which ended up being on uh, Gone Are the Good Days. But there was nothing after that. And I kind of just you know, reach the point with Chunk or Captain Chunk that I am currently with a band like Icy Stars where I'm just like, you know, whenever it happens, it happens. I, I shouldn't go into a new year expecting uh anything to come out of Chunk or Captain Chunk. It's just, you know, whenever they get to it, they get to it. If they never get to it, then, you know, it is what it is. And I have a lot of material from them to really be proud of and be passionate of. Um, And I think around the pandemic, or at least the start of it last year, there were like some updates about Chunk, No Captain Chunk, uh, recording new material. And, you know, because of the pandemic, I didn't want to get my hopes up that it was going to happen in 2020. I was just like, you know, wait it out. At this point, I've waited five years for a new Chunk. Uh, so I, I was understanding of letting the band take all the time they needed to deliver the kind of quality product that I knew they could. And then, this past May, it was May 14th, we got a lead single, Bitter, which I named in the Top 100 Song Series. Bitter was the perfect reintroduction for myself to Chunk and Captain Chunk, and I think the perfect introduction for those who maybe came around the scene after the initial run for Chunk. And I, again, I was blown away by the song, and it was like they never left. That's honestly what I thought of when I heard that song. It was like, they're, they're picking up right where they left off. Like, this is everything that I know this band to be, everything that I love them as. And in that sense, Bitter is probably one of the best lead singles of the year and maybe of the decade so far. There was also, and this is like a personal story, there will be a couple personal stories coming up for the next two parts because we're getting into that territory with these records. Um, the name Gone Are The Good Days meant something to me because... Again, May 14th was when Bitter came out, May 16th was when my cat Mikasa got sick, and then May 18th was when she passed away. So that name, Gone Are the Good Days, it just kind of felt symbolic of me leaving or being forced to exit, rather, this time period of my life that I wasn't ready to leave. I, I didn't know I was going to leave it. It happened really, really suddenly, and 
you know, it was just something that I kind of had to like navigate. Um, the, the actual title track, Gone Are the Good Days, the chorus of it. Gone are the good days, but they stay with me always. It's hitting me the worst way possible. Remember when we were unstoppable, or was that just a dream? So, for as, like, vibrant and upbeat as the Chunk No Captain Chunk instrumentation sounds, I am able to look at the, uh, songs on this record lyrically and just obtain this attachment to them. And again, it feels so comforting because of the initial connection I had to Chunk No Captain Chunk back when I was, like, still in high school. Because um, I would have been, like... 15 or 16 when that music video for um in friends we trust came out um and to me like that is one of i don't i don't know if anybody else feels this way but like for me personally that video for in friends we trust is like one of the pillars of the scene it's one of the standout moments of at least the 2010s as a whole decade um you know chunk has always just been that bad for me they've always been there for me i remember my first uh year in college i was living in a dorm room and there was this uh foam finger that chunk and captain chunk were selling it was just like a the middle finger sticking out i bought it and i had it in my room my roommate thought it was the weirdest fucking thing he'd ever seen and rightfully so because it's a middle finger foam finger that says chunk no captain chunk with no context you are pretty fucking clueless what any of that means but it just it, it meant a lot to me it carried a lot of weight and for me to get a new chunk record in the most challenging and daunting and worst year of my life, that meant the world to me in a way that I can never express to those guys. Um, you go into a song like Drift Away and what you get is one of the catchiest choruses of the entire year and like this reaffirmation of how really fucking dope, <clears throat> sorry, really fucking dope that uh, blend of like pop punk with metalcore can sound when it's done in this effective manner and then even when chunk slow things back on a song like marigold it still encompasses everything that this band embodies i think the penultimate song tongue-tied is one of the most beautiful tracks of the year that was one of those songs that i when i was like narrowing down the top 100 list and i got to like maybe like around 108 109 uh tongue-tied was in there and i really really didn't want to cut it i just it, i you know I, I really really didn't want to i'll leave it that there uh, Tongue Tide features Yvette Young, and that trade-off that happens all throughout this acoustic track is just unbelievable, man. I fucking adore Tongue Tide. Um, and the chorus just, like, hits me in every sense of the phrase right down to my core. Just tell me if this is too much. I've always felt I'm not enough. The closer I get to something, the further I run. But I hope that things are different this time. Yeah, I hope that things are different this time. And, you know, not even just about Mikasa, but like other situations this year where I have, you know, had my heart broken and just been like so torn up over and like the kind of shit that my therapist knows like the back of her hand at this point. Um, that idea or, or that concept there, the closer I get to something, the further I run. Like when you're in the mental and emotional state that I have been in, like a, a line like that does something to you it, it affects like the wiring of your brain um but not in a bad way just in a way of like thank you so much chunk no captain chunk for you know saying these things to me that maybe i don't want to hear but like i need to and it's so cathartic to be able to get a record like gone are the good days and you know for the nostalgia purpose but then also because of where my head has been for the last couple of months 
this record legitimately could not have come into my life at a better time. I am eternally grateful for everything that this band has done for me, not just with this record, but like the entirety of their careers and like what they have meant to me ever since I was in high school. Then now, you know, I'm a couple years out of my undergrad. I started grad school this semester. Like I have grown up with Chunk in a lot of ways, and I feel like I'm going to continue to grow up with them and I would not have it any other way. Number 19 is Amazing Things by Don Broco. So outside of me mentioning Flux by Poppy in the prior installment, or like the prior prior one, uh, Don Broco is the first band I've mentioned so far that has a record of the year to their name so far uh, from like my own personal year-end stuff. So 2012, Priorities, I named my record of the year. I still stand by that. I think Priorities is one of the best albums I've ever listened to. It remains my favorite Don Broker song, or album, I mean, over Automatic and Technology, and then even Amazing Things. I'm not trying to put down Amazing Things. I'm about to get into why it's so good and why it's at 19, but I'm just saying Priorities, you know, that established that like, there has been this long-standing connection between myself and Don Broco that, uh, like with Chunk and Captain Chunk, I cannot thank them enough for like everything that they've been able to do for me. Um, so again, this is like a Mikasa story that I have mentioned before, but I'm gonna say it again because now, like, it pertains to what I'm gonna go into more than ever before. So May 13th was when. Uh, the lead single for Amazing Things, Manchester Super Red's number one fan, premiered on Animax radio show. And I never usually like tune into those things to hear premieres. I kind of just wait for them to go up on Spotify. It's only ever been for Bring Me the Horizon songs that I would listen to the Animax premieres. But I needed to hear Manchester Super Red's number one fan the second that it premiered. Like It, it was just like a, a complete necessity. And so I did, and... That initial buildup for Manchester, and then before it gets into, like, the first verse, I was already just losing my fucking mind. I went outside of my room, and my cat Mikasa was just, like, sitting there, kind of looking at me, like, what are you doing? And I just told her, hey, Mikasa, new Don Broco. So, you know, I've said this before, but again, that uh, excitement that was coming from me, that was one of the last times that my cat was able to see with her own eyes the happiness that music brought me. And then three days later, she got sick. And then two days later, she died. And so that, you know, other than the connection I already had with Don Broco, that added another layer to my attachment to Amazing Things before having ever even heard of the record. And um, so this was initially meant to be released September 17th, which is probably the biggest day of the year that I can look back on for this scene in terms of releases. Uh, and then some stuff was happening with like the, the distribution or the production, I mean, of uh, like the physical copies and the vinyl presses and whatnot. So the album was delayed to October 22nd. That honestly did kind of selfishly hurt a little bit because I was so looking forward to it on the 17th. Um, but it did not impact my excitement in any way for the record, my anticipation. All of that was still at an all-time high. I could not wait to get Amazing Things. Thankfully, there were more than a couple of singles to like hold us off on until we got the full record. Uh, Gum Shield, One True Prince, Uber, and Endorphins. And 
just like the effectiveness of these tracks and like how well they blend into the already incredible discography of Don Broco, Gum Shield uh, has like one of the just like dumb catchy hooks of the year. I put my gum shield in, protect me from myself. And just the way that Rob Damiani just repeats that line throughout the entire song. And with his specific, like, uh, unique voice, the voice that's just, like, characteristic to only Rob, like, that elevated gum shield to a status that I can hold in the same regard as some of my favorite Broco songs ever, like Everybody or The Blues or, um, uh, Title Track Priorities. Like, you know, a gum shield can be up there now. One True Prince, I mentioned in the top 100 song series, as being like kind of a departure from what I normally expect out of Don Broco, but like the beauty of that track, it just resonates with me. Uber is also really, really catchy. I love the instrumentation on it in the chorus specifically, like just that, like, um, th- that guitar effect. It really, really speaks to me. I love that shit. Um, I mentioned like dumb hooks in, in the nicest way possible. Dumb hooks with like gum shield. Bruce Willis, the hook is literally yippee Kaye motherfucker. And that song specifically, like, takes so many twists and turns that make it one of the most adventurous Don Broco songs I've ever listened to. And, like, adventure is the word that I really, really, really want to hammer in towards everybody who might not be familiar with Don Broco. This is the kind of band that, like, you can go into any record of theirs kind of expecting to know what it sounds like, but then once you actually get it, you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, where did this come from? Like, how did these guys actually come up with this shit? Uh, and I will never know how they came up with it, but I'm glad they did because Broco just continues to amaze me and solidify themselves as one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, the closing song, Easter Sunday, that one is like, I, it's beautiful, but at the same time, like a little bit tormenting in the lyrical meaning of it because it relates to or, or like pertains to, um, just like death from the, uh, the pandemic from COVID. Um, I think it's like Matt, the drummer, he lost, I want to say it was like two or three uncles, uh, pretty quickly within succession of one another, uh, due to COVID. And, you know, so that ties in like the last year and a half of like, not just like his life or Broco's lives, but like a lot of lives out in the world. So, um, the, the chorus to, uh, Easter Sunday, sick and tired, hearing the choir singing Sunday morning, innocent lives ripped apart. Easter Sunday, and you told me the doctors would come, but they couldn't, and you tell me that the reason was love. What a sacrifice, oh lord, what a sacrifice, oh lord, all that sacrifice. So again, Broco can literally be whatever they want to at any moment. They can be the kind of band that just, like, exudes that, like, party energy and just, like, want to, like, rock the fuck out. But at the same time, they have the ability to just make you feel every bit of emotion that they want you to. And with Amazing Things, it's another notch on the flawless discography of Don Broco and again this is the kind of band that I feel so honored and privileged to be able to like say that I'm a fan of theirs and I I continue to be amazed by them all the time I don't mean to like make a pun about amaze or amazing things but like just genuinely I am never once not in awe of what Don Broco are doing number 18 is internal discussions by Cherry Amore So, uh, POV, you are me, 
you are a massive fan or stan of Chunko Captain Chunk and Don Broco. And you come into the year and you're told, hey, Chunk is your 20, Broco is your 19, this band that you've never heard of is your 18. I'm like, nah, nah, that, I don't, I don't see how that happens. I also don't see how Chunk and Broco are 20 and 19 respectively, but, you know, you do you, weird fucking mystery POV genie. Um, and then Cherry Moore just came out of nowhere and suddenly, I have this new band to, like, have this attachment to that I felt, I initially felt was reserved for bands the caliber of Chunk or Broco, or then even if you go back a couple of, uh, you know, sections in the series, bands like, uh, Normandy or Poppy, like, how is a band that I've never heard of before that has no material as of right now at the start of the year to their name, how are they gonna get that high on my list? Like, that makes no sense to me. But then it made all the sense in the world once I had the material from Cherry Moore in hand. So, um, the song that started everything was Burn. Burn released June 3rd, 2000, or no, it didn't release June 3rd, but like, my first exposure to that song came on June 3rd of this year, when Equal Vision had announced that they signed Cherry Moore, a brand new band, and they had a snippet of the video for Burn that was set to be released the following day. And the video was of the second chorus for Burn, and just the catchiness of it, the exuberance that it showed, the prowess that it showed for a band that I had no idea even existed up to that point. Like, I was so taken aback by Burn. Burn is one of the biggest surprises of the year. It caught me completely off guard. I wasn't expecting it. But, you know, a lot, like a lot of other things on this list, it came to me at the perfect time. It was so rewarding and refreshing and satisfying to have a song that could just, like, help me take my mind off of all the bullshit happening around me. And like I say, take my mind off of it. I want to establish though that Burn is not like this happy-go-lucky song. It's genuinely like once you can look past the, uh, like the, uh, the R&B inspired nature of the instrumentation, just how catchy that is. Lyrically, like this is actually like kind of cutting at me. We wasted time burning it down. I look around and there's nothing to show now, but the ashes, the remnants of combustive reactions. And it's my fault again. It always was, and it's always been. So, like, I'm I'm just sitting there like, God damn, man, like, this song is good, it's catchy, and it fucking hurts. And I love that. Uh, I think maybe about a month later was when Orlando dropped. And with Orlando, I was like, if this band can even come close to what they did on Burn, like, this is more than worth paying attention to, not just for myself, but for everybody in the scene. And then Orlando came around, and... Yeah, they did it. I don't like it as much as Burn, but it is right fucking there. It is one of my favorite songs of the year. Orlando and the uh, just the vibrancy of it, I could not get enough of it. Same thing happened with A Beautiful Mess, A Perfect Disaster, which was the third single and the final one ahead of Internal Discussions releasing on October 1st. So already, I have three songs from Cherry Amore that tell me this is more than just the rookie band of the year. This is just one of the standout bands of the whole year, regardless of their status. And then you get into the two new songs on the EP, Imposter and Too Nice to Say. Imposter, while feeling like a bit slower in pace than the other tracks here, it, it still delivers everything that I feel like I've come to know and love from Cherry Amore in just a short amount of time. Uh, lyrically, Imposter, again, one of those songs on here that just like, like strikes me in nerves that I need to be struck. Can't shake the feeling that I've lost it, and everything I know in life's no longer real. Man, I feel like an imposter, wishing for emotions that I just don't feel. 
And then the experimentation found on certain sections of Too Nice to Say tells me that this is a band that has like barely even scratched the surface of what they're capable of. And the further along they go in their careers, the more that they're going to explore those sides of them. And I am so fucking excited to see what comes of Cherry Moore in the future. So just as off of like a debut EP, I already believe that this is one of the best bands in the world. Cherry Moore is the kind of act that, you know, everybody needs to hear about everybody needs to know about if you don't know about cherry more you need to fucking go listen to them that's not me like trying to just gas them up for the sake of it like this has a potential to be a real game-changing band and i i i feel this sense of like pride in them and just being proud of the fact that i was able to witness their start and hopefully the continued success and further ascent of the star that will be known as cherry more Number 17 is Lost Souls by Caskets. Coming into 2021, one of my most anticipated releases for the year came from the band Captives. And then at some point towards the start of the year, uh, so I guess there's like some fucking bumblefuck Australian band also named Captives and somehow they were able to obtain like the legality of that name and that forced Captives to have to change their name and then rebrand all their artwork and everything on social media. I, I would imagine it was like a giant fucking headache. Uh, really, really sucks what happened. Uh, but that didn't change like anything else about the band, like Captives eventually caskets they were still to me who they always were which is one of the most promising young bands in the scene the cycle for this record began i think it was last december it might have been like december 4th or something like that when uh glass hearts came out and glass hearts ended up being the lead single for lost souls which is the Cap caskets debut record um wh what i feel like that song tells you if you're just getting into caskets is that this is a band that has studied the game extensively and they know how to hold their own in a track. So what I mean by that is like, you can hear Caskets and you can pull Bring Me the Horizon or Bad Omens or Of Mice and Men, uh, you know, maybe Holding Absence. I think maybe the, the potential for that influence is like a little bit too soon, but let's just throw that out there. Um, you know, you can pull all these acts and say like, this is what Caskets sounds like. But at the same time, they have crafted their own sound that is so identifiable with just caskets that like their influences do not feel like who they are mimicking in any way. It feels like caskets are caskets. And I really, really admire that. I think with Glass Hearts, you get that idea like implemented into your brain immediately. Uh, the chorus on that track is so fucking giant and explosive and just like got stuck in my head all year long. Uh, the two other singles, Lost and Echoes and The Only Ones, they really did a lot to, like, further that excitement on my end for this record. Um, I kind of made a joke when I reviewed this album initially back in August about how Casket's favorite song ever is probably Avalanche by Bring Me the Horizon. Um, and again, it was a joke, but what I kind of meant when I said that was, like, the, um, that, like, atmospheric, almost, like, movie-like nature of Avalanche and how well it builds the chorus and then that chorus eventually coming in and just being like so fucking colorful and like this giant massive production 
that kind of feels like a recurring theme all throughout Lost Souls, and I mean all that as a compliment, because these songs sound like caskets are light years ahead of where they actually are in their career trajectory. Um, so even a song like Clarity, which has just like so much uh, energy all throughout it, and it feels like the kind of song that you would expect to hear out of a band that has been around for like decades, not, you know, however long caskets have actually been around, which is not that long, really. Drowned in Emotion has like some of the best instrumentation that backs some of the best vocals of the year, in my opinion. Uh, and that song like takes so many twists and turns and there's a part of it where it's like kind of a breakdown, but also not really. It feels like so just like more layered than just that. Um, the track Hopes and Dreams is one of the most beautiful and just fulfilling songs of the entire year. I cannot get enough of that for as like kind of like hard as it might be to sit through sometimes just for like how much it means to me on a personal level. Hopes and Dreams, it's just like, you know, that kind of emotional journey, emotional roller coaster that when a band like Caskets is doing it, it is done to pure fucking perfection. And like selfishly, because of just like how beautiful it is and cathartic Hopes and Dreams is, I could say like, oh, why wasn't it the closer on this record? But then you go to the actual closer, Nothing to Hide, and just from a lyrical standpoint, that totally feels like the proper send-off for the record. Because the chorus right here goes, If you don't want to know, don't ask it. Just keep it in the back of your mind. If you don't want to know, don't wander. Believe me, I've got nothing to hide from you. Leave me, I've got nothing to hide from you. And the idea there is like, you know, you've been given everything that you needed to know about this band through this record, and here is the final, like, message we want to leave you off on. We've got nothing left to hide. We said everything that we needed to. And I really, really love that, like, kind of narrative for a closing track. So, just like, not even from, like, a musical standpoint, but just, like, structural and, and the packaging overall for Lost Souls, it, it feels like this is a band that, again, is just, like, so advanced from where they actually are. And I think with Caskets already sounding the way that they do at this stage of their careers on a debut record, like, where are they going to be on a sophomore record or their third record? Like, this genuinely has like star power goaded capabilities and potential and this is going to be a band that will be like so exciting and fun to watch grow all throughout the rest of this decade and i genuinely cannot wait for the next time i get to come on this show and talk about a new release from caskets because i just fucking know it's going to deliver the way that lost souls did number 16 is happier by volumes It's been up and down the last couple of years for volumes, to say the least. Uh, so they had different animals back out in 2017. That was like the last record of theirs. Uh, there was an EP in 2019. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. To be honest, it wasn't really that memorable. It didn't really stick with me, which is a shame because there are some really good songs on there. Uh, Hello, Goodbye being kind of like the notable one for me. Um, and then just like some weird things just started happening. Uh, so... Gus Farias, who was one of the vocalists of the band, he got removed towards the, it was like the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020, I don't remember exactly right now, um, and it was like, it, it was pretty drama-filled, to say the least, it wasn't the ideal scenario for anybody who's into volumes or for any band that, you know, you get to, you, you have the unfortunate duty of watching that kind of disintegration before your eyes. 
And then, so with Gus leaving the band, so too did his brother Diego, who was the guitarist for Volumes. And then, like, really, really quickly thereafter, Diego actually passed away. And so it just kind of felt like this weird time for Volumes and then any fan of theirs, because it's like, what is happening? Like, where is the band going to go? We had an idea of where they were going to go, because at that point, Michael Barr had returned to the lineup. And for the first time, we got the vocal dynamic of Michael Barr and Mike Terry, which ended up being one of my favorite, like, uh, pairings in music right now. And like, just the way that they're able to coexist and like the, uh, the, the connect, the connection that they have to each other, the, the chemistry, like that all ended up working really, really well. But for at least that initial time of Volume's career, it was just like really, really strange. There were a couple singles that ended up just being standalone for, for Volumes. They weren't part of Happier. It wasn't until Weighted came out back in August or September in 2020. I think that's when it was. And Weighted is like the kind of, uh, like genty metalcore track that I think people who are fans of Volumes at this point just like come to expect whenever they do something. Uh, it's really, really good. Not my favorite single, but it was just really, really good still. And then there wasn't really much of an update, I would say, until Get Enough came out uh, back in August of this year. So like almost a full year after getting weighted, we got Get Enough and Get Enough really, really just like further cemented like just how perfectly Michael Barr and Mike Terry blend together and their vocal styles just like feel like this marriage that was just meant to happen for volumes. The two singles thereafter, Bend and Happier, those really did a lot to show off the just like more... Uh, like R&B kind of driven stuff that volumes do really, really well. I love when they explore that sound. Um, Bend I named in the top 100 song series. I just felt like that was kind of the perfect way to show off what Michael Barr and Mike Terry can do, like just as clean vocalists. And then with the title track, Happier, uh, that one, it's a closer and it just has this like, I guess like a weight to it that feels just so cathartic but at the same time like understanding that happier is trying to tell you the story about like um watching somebody's self-destructive nature take over them someone that you're close to and you love and you want the best for them but like you feel like you can't really help and like that kind of a message just like really 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 does a lot for me um and the chorus to happier in all this time i hope you find a way to be happier through all the lights the darkest nights I wish you were happier. And all you know, this world's so cold, so won't you pretend like we could never wonder why? In all this time, I hope you find a way to be happier. And so given like the kind of year that I have had, like how tumultuous this time period has been for me, that notion right there, I hope you find a way to be happier. The, the people who are close to me who have really, really tried their best to help me, at the end of the day, that's kind of all that they can say to me. Like, there's not really much they can do to help me. It, it, it all falls on me. And like, you know, it, it's my, it's my duty at that point to find a way to be happier. And so, you know, kind of having these lines be spoken to me through the song happier, it just feels like volumes, they're like talking to me more than they are performing for me, if that makes any sense. I think no matter what sector you're coming from to get enjoyment out of volumes, you were delivered something on this record that you were able to kind of just like take with you and hold close to you. So like if you want that more gent metalcore style of volumes, look at tracks like FBX and Malevolence and you're going to get what you ask for. 
uh, that emotion I just talked about right now, bend and the title track happier. They do that for you. If you want a combination of those two things into you, hurt and void, satisfy that urge immensely. And like, I just think this probably is my favorite volumes record ever. Not probably actually like it really, really is. I love different animals. I love no sleep. Uh, Via has a lot of really, really cool things happening on it, but there's just something about happier and the delivery of it, the time that it was delivered and the potential from here on out for a volume that is led by Michael Barr and Mike Terry. This feels like the most, I, I don't want to use a pun, the happiest I have been being a volumes fan. And, you know, this record exceeded all my expectations. I loved it infinitely more than I thought I would. I already knew I would like it, but to come out of happier saying, I love this record. It's one of my favorites of the year. In the grand scheme of things, it might be one of the best albums I've ever listened to in my life. And like this did so much for me on a personal level that I just feel so like in debt to volumes for what they did. Number 15 is Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures by Boston Manor. So I mentioned earlier how Don Broco and Poppy were two artists who have made appearances on this list so far that already won Record of the Year for me at some point. Boston Manor has Record of the Year for 2018 through Welcome to the Neighborhood, one of the greatest albums I've ever listened to in my life, a record that I still go to very, very often. Like That control that Welcome to the Neighborhood has on me, it will never, ever be diminished. And maybe not exactly to the same extent, but... Glue, I also was able to develop this like really, really strong connection to, uh, not only because of how good it was, but then also considering the timeline when it dropped, I believe it was like a May 1st, 2020 release. And that would have been right like at the start of the pandemic and the initial quarantine phase. But then also that coincided with one of the worst and most tumultuous time periods of my life. It's a time period that I am still dealing with in therapy, still trying to come to terms with everything that happened to me, not to make this like too dramatic, but that is what that time era meant to me. And so glue carried with it this emotional weight and baggage that I feel like I'm able to just kind of like let loose and let off my shoulders whenever I hear that record. And I wouldn't say the same thing has happened with uh, Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures, which, you know, maybe you can look at as like a good thing that I don't have um like... I guess nearly as much trauma associated with uh, this record that I did with Glue. Um, but what Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures does is it still kind of checks off everything that I look for in a Boston Manor record. So like, does it sound good? Is it catchy? Uh, can I just like vibe out to this shit? Can I cry to this? Does this like really, really just like tug at my heartstrings and make me feel the kind of emotions that I know Boston Manor can like forcefully pull out of me? Uh, yes to all that. Yes, 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 and yes. Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures, it is right up there with Glue and Welcome to the Neighborhood as far as like what Boston Manor have done in their careers that I can like put on a pedestal and just like have on this, you know, silver platter and tell all of you, hey, there's a reason why I think Boston Manor is one of the greatest bands to ever live. With lead single Carbon Mono, I think that really showed me like 
at its core, this was going to be a Boston Manor release. I didn't, well, obviously no shit, but like, uh, what I mean is, uh, like that, uh, angst and the energy from Welcome to the Neighborhood and the similar themes explored on Glue, they are just like packed in every manner possible through Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures, Carbon Mono. You know, it was really, really good, really catchy, the chorus in particular. Just the kind of song that like really, really set in motion what would be another banner year for this band. Uh, the second single after that, Algorithm, I think when I talked about it on my show uh, at the time of, of its release, I likened it to something that maybe I would have heard from Muse. And I understand that's not really like... um Maybe not a conceivable comparison or something that like people can uh, formulate in their minds when they hear the bands Boston Manor and Muse, but that was just kind of what stuck out to me. And then you get into the new songs on the record. So firstly, I want to say that this was like kind of a surprise drop, maybe not totally, but there was not a lot of time to prepare for it. I think I might have heard about it on like a Wednesday during that week that it was dropping and then Friday I had the full record with me. Uh, when you get into the other songs... The sort of title track, Desperate Pleasures, that one kind of has like this, um, almost like a, this industrial feel to it in certain areas. It's not totally out of alignment with what I heard on Welcome to the Neighborhood and Glue, but it still feels like this new side to Boston Manor that I was really, really happy to hear them explore. Uh, I don't like people and they don't like me. I have talked about this song ad nauseum by this point, but I will continue to do so because it is fucking perfect. It is one of my favorite Boston Manor songs I've ever listened to. I enjoy the dreariness, the mopiness, that brooding nature to I don't like people. And just like the way that I'm able to kind of put myself in the position of uh, Henry Cox in this instance and every lyric that this guy spills, I'm just like, damn, he just like me for real. Uh, the closing track, Let the Right One In, that one feels like haunting in a lot of ways. And it's just like, um, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to put this, but like, it feels like Boston Manor, like, going out of their way to make me uncomfortable and just like put me out of my comfort zone but i i adore it when a band like boston manor can do that and do it well and successfully because i feel like kind of like a this might be like exaggeration hyperbole i feel like a changed person coming out of desperate times desperate pleasures it just like is able to have that kind of a lasting effect on me i've gone back to it so many times over the last few weeks ever since it released it's only five songs it's really really easy to sit through and i would say that if somehow this would be your introduction to boston manor you could not have found a better introduction because this will let, lead you right into glue and welcome to the neighborhood and give you that very very good and uh like um I guess just that good understanding of like who Boston Manor are, what they stand for, what they can deliver every single instance that they release music. And I would just hope that, you know, if you give Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures a chance, you are able to have the fulfillment that I do listening to Boston Manor and you can obtain that connection that I have with them and just, you know, see this band through my particular lenses and understand why I think they are one of the absolute most fucking goaded bands going today. Number 14 is Swan Song by The Plot in You. I know I've used terms like haunting, daunting, chilling, 
maybe horrific at times when talking about some of these records throughout the last week. Uh, but I will say, like, those terms maybe should be reserved for the plot in you. And that's been the case for kind of the entirety of this band's career. When you go back to records like Firstborn and Could You Watch Your Children Burn, for the, for me, those two records, I don't hold them in like such high regard, but I look at them and think like they were kind of the blueprints for what would eventually become of the plot in you. And then it wasn't until 2015's Happiness and Self-Destruction that I looked at the plot in you and I thought, you are fucking special. You have something to you that... I don't think any other band in the scene does. There is a real legitimate talent and superpower found within the members of the plot in you. And then when they went into dispose and changed their sound for like a, they, they went in a less heavy direction. But like when I say that, I don't mean that in the same way that bands like uh, bring me the horizon or of mice and men or bad omens did what the plot in you did was they kind of took that metalcore style and made like, just some of the grossest songs you can think of and when i say gross i just mean like there's a level of like sleaziness and uncomfortability to everything that was on dispose that it just made it like hard to listen to but at the same time you couldn't avoid it you didn't want to avoid it or at least me in particular like for as weird as i felt listening to a lot of tracks on the uh, dispose i couldn't pull myself away from it it was one of my favorite records of 2018 it's the kind of record that I have not been able to stop listening to almost four years after the fact, and the staying power with it, the effect that it had on me, I can't really attribute that to a lot of bands outside of the plot in you. So, you know, following Dispose, it took a while to get new material out of the plot in you, and that's fine, because I understood, like, you know, circumstances with the pandemic are not ideal, and the plot in you is the kind of band that I don't want them to rush whatever they have planned, you know, I'll get it when I get it. I can be I can be patient and wait. In the meantime, Landon Tour's solo material was more than enough to hold me off. And the more I think about it, the more I feel like Landon's solo stuff, you know, was able to find its way to like creep into what the plot and you have been doing. You can hear it on Dispose, and then you can hear it like to a great extent on Swan Song. So the cycle for this record would have began back towards the end of July when Face Me released. Face Me, I think, embodies what I was saying about, like, that gross and sleazy nature to the plot in you. Um, just the way that, like, that track starts and it's, like, kind of, uh, like, you can't really make out what it's trying to do initially because it's, like, this little, like, a, like a pulsating noise just, like, over and over again and then you hear Landon come in and, you know, the way the song builds to the chorus, I'm kind of just like, okay, what's happening? Um, but then just like everything that Landon is spitting at me, like I cannot help but just like soak all of it in. I sit in my head straight from the truth, pick at the scabs and look at the past, got something to lose, but I feel the tension from every direction. It's my reflection. I correct them. Don't even mention. And then that all builds with the chorus where, you know, it just feels so explosive and Landon kind of has like this almost like a lazy effect to his delivery. The way he's just like saying, uh, so just face me, I can make a change, so maybe just chase me, because I can make a change. It's like we're just hearing this guy give a half-assed response to understanding his toxicity and either being asked to change or feeling like he has this obligation to tell whoever he is in a relationship with that he needs to change. Um, it, it's the kind of internal message that I 
can identify with very heavily. And I mentioned this on the top 100 song series when I gave Face Me its own spot there, that there are a lot of themes within Face Me and then at large swan song that I just don't really feel comfortable going into about like how they relate to my personal life. But just understand that swan song was like this really just strange experience for me in the sense that I felt so like out of my element hearing these tracks because they were able to do to me like what you know I would love for music to do which is like bring so much emotion out of me but at the same time they are suppressed emotions so like I can't really bring them to surface but at the same time it's like the plot in you is like almost like pulling them out of me I feel like I'm at a tug of war with this band when I hear this record I want to briefly look up the opening song letters to a dead friend I have no idea if this is like a real genre out there but I would consider this song to be like horror pop if again if that is even possible in any manner some nights I lay awake and think of ones who pass away, what they'd be like and how they'd act if they were here today. I get choked up thinking of things we used to say and do. We probably fucked each other's lives, but now we're making do. It's so sad, it's so sad the way they look at me. Like I've got, like I've got answers to anything. You know me, you know me, I've got a lot to say, but it's in vain, it's insane, and you won't feel the same. Again, everything that this band is telling me with these songs, it just feels like, like I'm looking at a fucking diary that i shouldn't be reading or i'm like i have like this um like a surveillance camera for someone's therapy session it's just like so uncomfortable and unsettling but again it's the kind of project that i cannot look away from i can't not listen to it it's just so satisfying in this really really strange way i think swan song is able to find that perfect blend of both old and new plot in you so with uh songs like Whole Without Me and Fall Again, you get like those kind of heavy moments that harken back to uh, the metalcore days of the plot in you, but at the same time, if you go into a song like Too Far Gone, that chorus is one of the most like pop-inspired sections I have ever heard this band explore, and I love that for them. I love every single avenue of the scene that the plot in you decided to try their hand at or further refine when it came to Swan Song. Um, I know I've said this about a couple of other songs already from other artists, but I'll say it now as it pertains to the plot in you. The closing track on here, Freed, that was one of the ones that like made it towards the end of my uh, drafting for the top 100 songs list. And like, it was one of the final, I would say like six or five songs that ended up getting cut, but Freed was right there. Freed almost made the top 100. I cannot get over just how perfectly that song spends its first half building up to the second half and how like... It's just like so, um, it feels like a roller coaster where you're like just going up and then that drop when the song gets heavy, it just fucking strikes you. Uh, and the, the lyrics of that song too, just like, you know, they, they do something to like the way that my brain is wired. Why am I always the crutch now? I've carried my fate out. My failures had cost me, displayed for the whole crowd, and I've laid down to sleep with no intention to wake. My mother's prayed for my peace, but it's been years and she waits for me to break. And after Landon the first time says, for me to break, that is when the song gets heavy and just the, the drum beat to it, the, the way that the rest of the instrumentation sounds, it just feels like the perfect conclusion to one of the most malevolent records I've ever listened to in my life. And I will say now, when it comes to Freed and its lyricism, that specific uh, ending, my mother's prayed for my peace, but it's been years and she waits for me to break. That just jaw on the floor could not believe what was happening 
I listen. I think I tweeted this out that I was listening to this record at Starbucks and like every so often I would just like say under my breath like fuck dude because of just like that kind of reaction that the plot in you was getting out of me through swan song this is one of the coolest things i've ever been able to listen to i love everything about swan song i cannot get over just like the perfection that the plot and you have obtained now in my opinion three records in a row we're now talking about a band on this like all-time legendary streak of just perfect record after another and you know i kind of have to look at the plot in you and think like can I say you're one of my favorite bands of all time now? Because it really, really feels like that is the level of respect and admiration that they have earned out of me. Not like that they should be given, but they have earned it. Number 13 is A Tear in the Fabric of Life by Knocked Loose. When you're talking about the metalcore scene, the hardcore scene, whatever you want to say Knock Loose actually is, you look at the last couple of years of the scene, and it feels like at times, more often than not, we are putting it on the backs of Knock Loose, and they are carrying it to heights that we maybe didn't think they could, because they're the kind of band that doesn't really feel or sound so accessible, yet they're able to break these barriers that... I can't help but just look at and smile and be proud of and say like, man, like those are the fucking boys, dude. Like they're doing it and they're not just doing it, but they're doing it big. And you look at what they've done ever since laugh tracks back in 2016 and the, just the way that that was able to blow up initially. And then you go into a differentiated blue in 2019 and it just somehow felt like the star of knocked loose was only growing and growing and growing. And I, I can't tell you like just how many times I've watched live video of this, of this band and just been so taken aback by not only the energy that they exude, but in turn, the energy that the audience gives back to them. This is the kind of band that, you know, I feel like they are so like prideful of their audience and the people who support them. And it's really, really cool to see. And, and so coming into 2021, you know, with the pandemic, you couldn't really plan out or predict like what was going to happen with a couple of bands that maybe should have had records out. But Knocked Loose was like right there at the top of bands who I was anticipating new material from at any point in the year. And so what I think had happened with A Terror in the Fabric of Life was that the rollout for it was like kind of spoiled because uh, I'm not going to say names. If you know what I'm talking about, you know who they are. But there are accounts on Twitter, at least two of them I know of, who uh, they're very, very into metalcore, very into that heavy stuff. And when it comes to releases within those confines, they somehow get information early and they put it on the TL, whether you want to know about it or not. Um, and this was one of the releases that ended up being spoiled. I think initially they were like, oh, it's a December record, uh, but that ended up being the vinyl pressings. And then later on, we're like, oh, this Friday, uh, knocked loose. Maybe, th maybe they didn't say knocked loose like directly, but they gave enough hints to where you could figure out like, oh, they're talking about knocked loose. So, you know, it was cool to know that there was going to be new material out of them, but at the same time, I would have liked to have been surprised by that. And again, you know, not going to, uh, disparage any of those accounts. You know, they do what they do out of passion. I understand that. But 
you know, just keep surprises to yourself. Uh, this is a little bit off topic, but um, if you're going to see Spider-Man No Way Home this week, keep that shit to yourself. Don't say anything about it publicly. Um, you know, don't don't ruin the experience for other people. And that's kind of how I feel about music, too. Uh, but what was cool about A Tear in the Fabric of Life was like, you know, the record being released was spoiled, but not the actual rollout of it, not the way that it was released. Because along with the record came this music video that is actually kind of like a short film and... I had no knowledge of that beforehand. I don't know if anybody did. So to get new music out of Knock Loose, but at the same time, a new way to experience that music, that was like so jarring to me and unexpected, but it's one of the coolest surprises of the entire year and maybe just one of the coolest surprises I've ever been able to live through when it comes to music. And similarly to what I said earlier about Prologue by Static Dress and how like you're kind of supposed to listen to the EP while reading the, the comic book, you're supposed to listen to the EP, A Tear in the Fabric of Life, while watching the short film so i'm not going to go too in depth on like what the short film covers because i feel like it is a visual experience that you need to see for yourself uh but what i, what I will say is like i absolutely fucking adore the artistic direction of the film because it's just made up of like these uh like just really really abnormal and like grotesque looking characters and it's all in black and white and it is just like the perfect accompaniment to a record that sounds the way like a tear in a fabric of life does the opening song where light divides the holler that uh so both the song itself but then also the short film has like this intro section that just like takes its time perfectly building to the moment in the film that really really sets off the trajectory of it and just the way that knocked loose are able to use like their absolutely fucking brutal and heavy nature to tell this story it's one of the coolest things i saw happen in c music all year it, again it's not something that i would have expected i never would have imagined knocked loose going this kind of a route for a record release but seeing the finished product it, it's like i couldn't imagine getting to experience a tear in the fabric of life any other way it, it just feels so like um like, there was no other way that this could have been done. Um, you know, yeah, I could have listened to the record and just been like, yeah, this is really, really cool. And truthfully, I probably would still be talking about it at the 13 position for this list. But it, the, the short film, again, was able to do something for me that no one, no other band did this year. Knock Loose have never been able to do this before. It just felt like, a new layer to what was already one of the most exciting bands in the world at this point. You know, if you're coming to Knocked Loose as an already established fan, you're getting everything that you could ask for out of them. This record is heavy. It's just brutal. It punches you in the fucking face every single instance that it gets, which is all throughout the record for that matter. Um, I, you know, I can just imagine myself being at a knock loose show and just fucking letting loose and just being surrounded by all these other people who share that same passion for the kind of heavy music that is displayed by knock loose. Genuinely one of the most important, most defining bands of the last couple of years. And it, it's just like this band is unstoppable. There's literally nothing that they can't do. You know, laugh tracks, 
a, a, a different shade of blue and now a tear in the fabric of life we're talking a three record stretch of just some of the coolest and fucking heaviest bands i have ever been able to experience there's a train in the distance of my house right now i don't know if the microphone is picking it up if it does i apologize but at the same time i'm not stopping what i'm doing right now because i'm on a fucking roll knocked loose is one of the greatest bands i've ever been able to listen to i just you know I can say what I want to about metalcore or heavy music and how, like, oftentimes it sounds, like, very, very similar and vanilla to each other. Whenever Knock Loose comes in the conversation and does something, I am back into that mindset of, like, fuck yeah, metalcore, let's do this shit, or hardcore, whatever you want to call their fucking genre, because I'm pretty sure it, like, becomes this, like, point of discussion every few months about, like, what genre Knock Loose actually encompasses. To me, I don't fucking care. They're good either way. You can call them metalcore, you can call them hardcore, I don't give a shit, as long as you call them one of the best bands of this generation. The train has not stopped, so uh, I'm going to take a quick second to say thank you if you've made it up to this point uh, now in the series or just this episode or however much of what I've been doing you've been listening to. Uh, it means the world to me, genuinely. It really, really does. Um, you know, it, whether there's like one listener or two listeners, five, eight, twelve, it doesn't matter. I get enjoyment out of doing this stuff. So thank you for helping me establish a platform. And now we're getting into numbers 12 and 11. So this is kind of a like runner-up territory if we're going off of the patterning that State of the Scene had been using up until last year. Uh, so what I mean by that is um, when it came to the year-end episodes for Album of the Year, Sam and Marcos would mention their 12 and 11 as runner-ups and then get into the 10. So that's what I mean when I say runner-up territory. Number 12 is Lost in the Waves by Landmarks. Look at that French representation, huh? Chunk no Captain Chunk at 20 and Landmarks at 12. Uh, so Landmarks is a metalcore band that I have kind of always, like, I don't want to say championed or, like, really, really been into, but there's, like, this level of affinity that I've always been able to have with them. Uh, so they had two prior records to this, Fantasy and Hollow. Uh, Hollow, I like enough. Fantasy, I was just, I, I was really, really taken aback by that record. I really, really enjoy it. There is this kind of like almost anime-esque uh, delivery on the part of uh, Landmarks and just like the way that they execute those like heavy metalcore sections and then the clean choruses, it just to me at least like feels like something that I could imagine being like as an opener or an ending to an anime and again that really really helps the connection that I can establish with this band. Um... And off of, off of Fantasy, like I said, really, really love that record. And to me, it kind of felt like there, there's more to landmarks than I, I think anybody can really, really see. Um, again, like it just felt like there was a project in them that they were capable of making that would really, really change the course of this band. And coming into Lost in the Waves, I was really, really hoping this would be that record. And thankfully, I feel ultimately like that is what happened. 
And Lost in the Waves delivered the kind of quality material that I think landmarks can just really, really like, you know, hang their heads up high and be proud of. Because I, as a fan, a consumer, I feel proud of what landmarks accomplished. Um, I, I don't know if this was the lead single. It might not have been, but I do remember Lost in a Wave being the first song from the record that I heard. Uh, it was like towards the end of 2020. It might have been like that first week of December or maybe just sometime thereafter in December. I don't exactly remember. But with Lost in a Wave, the way that that song just kind of like has this like, uh, like a muted guitar intro and then that goes right into the heaviness of it and it just feels so like blistering and thundering and the exact kind of metalcore that I come to this scene for. Uh, you go into the, the single after that, which is Paralyzed. That song like takes kind of a turn. It's the closer on the record and hearing it for myself, I can totally see why. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's the most different song on the record, but it's the one that kind of leaves that lasting impression on you. Uh, um, for the most part, it's like really, really just like slow, laid back, a very different pace compared to what else is on Lost in the Waves. And then when that outro comes on and the song gets heavy, it's just like this really, really memorable moment that kind of like stood the test of time because this was a January single, yet here in December, almost a full year later, I still feel as strongly for it as I did back then. And then after that overrated drop, overrated was pretty high in that top 100 song series I did last week. Uh, to me, overrated is like the quintessential metalcore song, not just landmarks, but the metalcore genre altogether. That song, you know, just kind of like uh, accomplishes everything that I want from the genre, the heaviness, the catchiness, that exuberance, the pop sensibility, like that is my fucking shit, dude. Overrated is metalcore personified, in my opinion. Um, and then you look at the rest of the material here and there is not a single moment in this runtime that it feels like landmarks kind of like let their foot off the gas pedal. They're just like constantly going, even if there are some sections that, you know, maybe aren't as heavy as others, they still feel as impactful. Um, a song like Rainfall has like some really, really fucking sick guitar work and the way that it kind of like trades off with the vocals, it's like just one of the coolest moments on the whole record. Um, Silent has the kind of exact chorus that I was referring to earlier when talking about how certain areas of landmarks and what they do remind me of anime. Um, Visage, like the first half of that song is French hip hop. And yeah, French hip hop, that is not what I would associate with metalcore. But the way that they're able to uh, incorporate that kind of a style into this record, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like a gimmick. It feels just so natural to Visage. Um, being somebody who, like, casually plays drums myself, hearing just, you know, certain, uh, really, really cool drum elements like Blast Beats in Overrated and Say No Ward, that, like, really, really spoke to me and, like, the drum nerd that I can be at times. There's a track later on in the record called Always that is one of the, like, less heavy songs on the record. It's very, very, like, uh, alternative-driven, if you want to use that term. And it happens to be one of my favorite songs on here. I cannot get enough of that song. That guitar intro just like really, really sticks in my head. Uh, great fucking work from everybody all around. Just, and you know, I'm not talking just about always. I'm talking about the entire record Lost in the Waves. You know, like I said, coming into 2021, like I had some hopes for what Landmarks could do. And they didn't just deliver on all those hopes. They exceeded them to the fullest fucking extent that something like that is possible. They just 
completely blew me away. I already knew it was going to be a good record, yet they gave me something that, like, for as much as I like landmarks, like, how how do you top this? Lost in the Waves is the perfect metalcore record. I absolutely adore everything about it. I'm going to be listening to it nonstop for well beyond 2021, probably, you know, deep into the rest of my life. And I just have this affinity for Lost in the Waves that I am so grateful to be able to say that I have. Number 11 is Don't You Feel Amazing by Trash Boat. I just said with Landmarks that I went into their record from this year with some really, really big expectations because I was already kind of like amazed by what they were able to do prior. Um, Trash Boat is a slightly different story. So they had a record out back in, I think it was 2018. I don't think it was 2019. 2018, uh, Crown Shyness, which was, it, it was okay. Um, I didn't really love it and, I did go back to it later on uh, after hearing Don't You Feel Amazing, and I kind of feel the same way. It's a good good enough record, uh, but it didn't like make me this immense Trash Boat fan. So um, that kind of disabled me from paying attention to this band and really, really like having my finger on the pulse of what they were doing like I try with so many alternative bands now in the scene. And because of that, I missed synthetic sympathy uh that was actually a single last year in 2020 i think it was um actually no it would have been earlier wouldn't have because they didn't do anything in 2020 yeah so i went like fucking two years basically without hearing synthetic sympathy and that is the penultimate song on don't you feel amazing and had i heard that single back when it dropped i would have been turned around on trash Bowl because synthetic sympathy it's just like so catchy and it has like this, uh, like colorful nature to it that I don't think necessarily was present on the songs from Crown Shyness. It just sounds like, to me, a different trash boat, a more refined trash boat, and the kind of trash boat that I would have had no issue gassing up to anybody. But again, I had missed Synthetic Sympathy, so for me, the cycle for Don't You Feel Amazing began back in February with the release of He's So Good. Um, I'm gonna say this now, get it out of the way. If I can point out any flaw with Don't You Feel Amazing, it's that the artwork was not the artwork for He's So Good as a single. The artwork for the single He's So Good, it's just like this person with like a bag over their head and the background, it's just like so fucking, just like, um, like the aesthetic to it is so pleasing. And it's just this really, really cool artwork that I really, really wish Trashboat had gone with for the entire record. But again, that's kind of a minimal complaint, if, a, if it's a complaint at all, when I feel like this is one of the absolute best fucking records of the year. So he's so good. It's not just like catchy and infectious. Um, it's kind of like, uh, like shocking in some ways. Um, so it is like a, uh, you know, a pro LGBT, uh, anthem. I believe the, um, what th there was something with like the uh the sales for he's so good uh there was okay no i think there was merchandise tied to the single and the proceeds for that would go to uh a charity in the uk that helped um lgbt youth who are at risk of homelessness uh which is just a really really great cause i love that for trash boat love that for the fan base that they were you know going out of their way to try helping 
Um, and I guess what I mean by shocking is like, he's so good does not try and mask its lyrical content. It does not try and shy away from what it's about. It's very upfront, very straightforward. He's so good when he talks to his mother, when, when she found out that we were lovers, like, you know, you, you want to talk about storytelling in songs, just not only like the lyricism on the part of Toby Duncan, but just also his delivery just really, really allows he's so good to be elevated to another level. Um, and there is like a word that's used in the song that I can't say. Um, but that added to like the shocking nature of the track. And then, you know, more than a handful of singles, or maybe not more than, but like a handful of singles at least followed He's So Good into the official release of Don't You Feel Amazing later on, on August 13th. Um, I remember the week that the record dropped, um, Alpha Omega, which features Kamiata Plus, got singles treatment. Alpha Omega, to me, sounded like if Limp Bizkit were a newer band, it just has like that new metal energy to it, like that aggression that really, really, I, I think just like resonates with, uh, that audience of Trash Boat. Um, the, the hook itself, like admittedly, if you want to say it's like kind of cheesy, you can, uh, idiot, you're a fucking idiot. It's just kind of repeating that over and over again. But again, there's like this effectiveness to it and a believability on the part of Toby because like a lot of vocalists, I think, could have taken that concept and just like made it a joke. But with Toby, he is able to just make me understand like, no, Alpha Omega is like a serious song. I think one of the things that like really, really surprised me with Don't You Feel Amazing was just like how each song is able to craft its own identity. Nothing sounds similar to each other. Um, with like a song like um, Idios, the chorus to that it just like feels so like structured and molded just specifically for that song. You know, like, um, even when there's a song like Vertigo, for instance, that like, you know, maybe has like some small similarities to the execution in relation to Idios, they still feel like their own songs. They have like their own characters and personality. And I just adore it when a band is able to, you know, make, uh, a, a full length record like Don't You Feel Amazing. And there's nothing about it that, like, I get mixed up on, you know? I know Idios from Vertigo. I know Cannibal from Love Without Needing. Like, all these songs feel like their own tracks. Um, I, I mentioned the Kamiata Plus featured song earlier with Alpha Omega. I would be doing this record a disservice if I didn't bring up Bad Entertainment, which features Milky Way from Orgasm. And the way that she comes in in the bridge... It feels like so natural and just seamless for a, a trash boat record and a trash boat song like Bad Entertainment. And the same thing with Kamiata Plus. Like, he, what, what Kamiata Plus does, it's not in alignment with trash boat, but just the way that they're able to bring their styles together, it's just like this beautiful relationship that works. You know, I'm not sure how it works, but it just does. There's a song later on in the track list called All I Can Never Be that is really, really scaled back and slow. And the rhythm to it kind of has like almost like a swing jazz feel to it, but there's no like exuberance in the same way that swing jazz normally has. It feels so like worn down and just like kind of dreadful, but like I say all that with like good connotations attached to those phrases. It's just like this kind of mopey, sad song that just hits and I can't really explain it any other way. And then the record closes with Maladaptive Daydreaming, which I gave a shout out to in the Top 100 series. Uh, Maladaptive Daydreaming, you know, it's very different from everything else. It feels like almost like kind of drum and bass inspired in a lot of ways. Yet it was the song that just kind of acted as like the 
like the perfect cap off to one of the most perfect records I got to enjoy in 2021. Um, just everything about Maladaptive Daydreaming felt like just, you know, like I, I, I listened to that song initially and I was kind of just able to like sit back and be like, holy shit, Trash Boat just did that. A band that I didn't expect to give me one of the best albums I've ever listened to. They fucking did it. And, and I'm so happy to say that they did it. But Don't You Feel Amazing is just one of those albums that seemingly came out of nowhere for me, yet I couldn't imagine what my year looks like without it. Um, that specific day it dropped, like there were, there was a lot of really, really, um, I don't want to say dark shit happening in my life, but just like, um, some very, very unpleasant stuff. Let me say that now. And this kind of became the soundtrack to that weekend for me. And then, um, you know, things got a little bit better, then they got infinitely worse, and then they got a little bit better. That roller coaster, I think, you know, kind of mirrors what's happening in, uh, Don't You Feel Amazing sonically and lyrically as I'm listening to it. And so it just acted as like the perfect soundtrack for, um, a troubling time. And I'm able to listen to it now with like none of those bad memories attached to it. It's just a record that it, it brings me happiness and joy. And, you know, there really aren't many things in my life right now that can do that. But Don't You Feel Amazing is absolutely without a doubt one of them. And that's it. Those were the 20 to 11 uh, best of records for myself this year, 2021. And now there's literally just one part left, one thing left to do, and that is to count down the top 10. And it is a top 10 that once I wrote down... So the process for the, the list was I wrote down 50 records. I ended up writing down maybe like a 60, 70, around there. Uh, and then narrowing it down to 50. The first 10 records that I wrote down, those ended up being the top 10. That never changed. They were locked in from the beginning. You know, maybe I thought like, okay, can Trashbow get in? Can Landmarks get in? What about Knock Loose? Maybe I tried like seeing how I could maneuver those records into the top 10. But ultimately, what I wrote down from the beginning, that is what all of you will hopefully listen to when that top 10 episode is up. And it's not just the last episode of this series. It is the finale of the year. And, you know, I, I don't want to try and put a lot of pressure on myself to deliver with that episode, but I would really, really like to. I would love for that to be the best episode of the year because that's what it deserves. That's what those records deserve. That is what I feel like this platform deserves. So, yeah, I'm tired right now. Voice is getting spent, but, you know, just one more episode. Maybe it takes two hours to explain everything, but, you know, I'll do whatever I need to. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this record this record see what this fucking shit does to me dude thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this part and as always for better or worse let's make a scene